that concerns a man sent from God. And that aspect, and that aspect is um, that aspect that ties to a man that is sent from God is how can a man bear God's message effectively? How can a man bear God's message effectively? Or you can say, bearing God's message effectively. So a man that is sent from God should have one thing in mind, or should have one question in mind. Okay, since I'm sent from God, how do I bear the message of God effectively? Because when God sends a person, or when God sends a man, or when God sends a woman, God has a message in sending that man with. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, like we see in scripture, every, every, every um, prophet or every saint or every servant of God, God sends, God is saying a particular message through their life. Praise the Lord. God is saying a particular message through their life. And it's very, very important as children of God for us to have one primary question when we chase after God, and which is what we are, we'll be addressing today. How do we bear, like this, a person, uh, like this, God has sent us, but how do we bear the message that he has sent us with upon the face of the earth? It's one of the critical questions we really need to consider because we discussed earlier on that a man that is sent from God is not a man that is sent by God. A man that is sent from God is a man that has or carries the purposes of God in his heart. Praise the Lord. That is a man that is sent from God. A man that is sent from God is a man that is sent with God's likeness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like you can say, oh, you are a father and you give birth to a child. There are certain features that that child will have because it came from you. Maybe probably your, his, your eyes will look like his eyes. Probably your nose will look like his nose. Why? Because that child came out of you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, we are considering this morning how a man can bear God's message effectively. And one of the points I would like to make, first of all, is that a man that wants to bear God's message effectively, should, one of the things that he has to realize is that the message that he's about to bear is the message of God. It is very, very important because it is not like every other kind of message. The personality, that a man, the personality that has the message that a man is trying to bear is God. And that acknowledgement or that, that uh, realization that this man is bearing a message of God brings to mind that the message of God has what they call weight. Praise the Lord. The message of God has what they call weight. Like for instance, if you want to, in those olden days, those olden days, when a lady or a lady, maybe in the village, wants to go to a market, one of the things that they do is that they try to craft a basket. Why they are crafting that basket is because that basket is going to carry a particular kind of weight. Praise the Lord. Why they craft that basket is because that basket is going to carry a particular kind of weight. And that, person, that basket will carry the weight of the person that crafts it. So also, for God, if a man is sent from God, that man should have it, have it in his mind that I'm going to carry something that is weighty. I'm going to carry something that is weighty. My life must be formed for me to carry that thing that is weighty. Because if you attempt to carry something that, if you, if you attempt to carry, uh, if you attempt to carry the work or the message of God without you being formed, you will be like Uzzah who put his hand to the ark of the Lord and he was, and he was killed. 
Praise the Lord. Because not everybody can carry the message of God. So when you, when you are considering this topic this morning on how to bear the message of God, one of the things that must come to every believer's life is that, Lord, how do I bear your message effectively? And one thing that will come to our mind as we think or as we ponder through that line is that I must be formed of the Lord. That is the first step. That is, I must be formed of the Lord. That is why in chapter 1, verse 1, Scripture carefully told us that God made Adam and Eve. That is, God used clay and water. God formed the man and made the man and breathed himself into the man. And that man became a living being. Now, God formed the man. God prepared the man. Then God gave the man responsibilities. Praise the Lord. God formed the man, God created the man, and gave the man responsibilities. One of the things that we often try to do, often try to do sometimes as Christians, sometimes we feel, oh, we have a lot of zeal, so when we just give our life to Christ, it's just to run off. No. When you give your life to Christ, one of the things that you must ensure is that you must have at least a practical, steady Christian life. If you have that as the burning, as your agenda, it makes or affords God the privilege to form you. Praise the Lord. Just like we said, God formed Adam. And after God finished forming Adam, God had to test on what he has formed. So God brought animals, sheep, and all that. And Adam named, named the animals according to what is in the heart of God. Why? Because Adam had been formed. Most of the times, we don't allow God to form us accurately. And when I mean accurately, I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm trying to say is that even after you receive salvation, you should afford God the privilege to form your life so that you can actually know the mind of God concerning what your life is supposed to dispense to the world. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, as I was saying, God formed the man. And as God formed the man, the man started doing the things that were in the heart of God. Praise the Lord. Which leads me to a point where I can say to a particular person that when, the, when God forms your heart, when God forms you as a believer, when God carefully forms you, eh, your, life will de- well, your life will actually dispense a message of God knowingly or knowingly. God did not actually came to tell uh, Adam that, oh, you are going to call this animal um, uh, monkey or gorilla. No, he was accurately formed of the Lord. So how do we bear God's message? We should give, we should afford God the privilege for him to actually form our life. And now, a life that must be formed accurately by God must, must, in short, if, if you receive salvation, one of the things that you must actually first of all do is to learn of the Lord, and by you learning of the Lord, you are submitting for you to be formed. And a clay has a particular attribute, very, very striking attribute. A clay, a clay has one attribute that every Christian should put in the front burner of their heart. A clay is submissive to the potter. The potter knows why he's making that, that like, in a particular scripture says, 
that in a, in a great house, I think it's Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, 21, he said, in a great house, there are many vessels, some unto honor and some unto dishonor. Now, he said, there are woods, there are, there are, he now gave, he now gave different kinds of uh, vessels. He said there are vessels of wood, there are vessels of um, clay, there are vessels of, um, I mean, there are vessels of, he gave a different kind of vessel. What he's trying to say here is that every vessel, every vessel is molded by the Lord. Every vessel, that is, is molded by the potter. And why the potter is molding? The potter molds according to what is in his mind for that vessel to carry. Praise the Lord. The potter molds what is in his mind for that vessel to carry. So one of the things that we must put in our heart, even as Christians, is that, Lord, or is that we have or we ought to be submissive to the Lord. For us to be able to bear God's message accurately, we have to be submissive to the Lord. We have to submit ourselves to the Lord so that the Lord can build us, the Lord can prepare us, the Lord can mold us, the Lord can help us so much so that even consciously or unconsciously, just for the fact that you are here in a scene, people can, by your life, read your message. What everybody does is not what you do, what, what you do. Why? Because you have been accurately molded. You have been accurately formed and prepared. That is why, as Matthew will say, that one of the first work of God a person does in his life is to know how, 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 how do I please God? How do I please God? The first work of God is to know how to please God. And by that, you are submitting yourself to the instructions of God. Praise the Lord. You are submitting yourself what, to the instructions of God. So, just like an introduction, one of the things I want, I have said, like I said before earlier on, that we should bear in our mind as we, want, as, we, as we house the thought of bearing the message of God, is that number one, we ought, we ought to give God the privilege to mold our life, to form our life, and also, and also be submissive to God. For, the, for us to give God the privilege to mold and form our life, we ought to be submissive to God. Just like the way, like I was saying in quote, that the mortar submitted himself to God and God formed the man. And that man was able to carry the purposes and instructions of God for his life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, going forward, one of the things I would also like to state is that when the message of God comes Strikingly in two perspectives. You can bear God's message by holiness. You can bear God's message supernaturally. But when I started thinking about it deeply, I discovered that bearing God's message supernaturally is to bear God's message by holiness. And why I took that route is because I'll get there. I know why I took that route to say bearing God's message supernaturally, or bearing God's message effectively, is to bear God's message by holiness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, let's open our Bible to Exodus chapter 4. But before Exodus chapter 4, 
I'd like us to read something before there. In Ezra chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi. No, let's go to verse. Okay, let's read for verse 11. He said, and, when, and it came to pass in, in those days when Moses was grown, grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their bodies, and he, and he spied, and he spied, oh no, and he spied an Egyptian, smitten an Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out of the, out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to, the, to him, and he said to him that did the wrong. He said to him that did the wrong. Wherefore smited thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince or a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now we can see this scenario here. Now if you go to Exodus chapter 4, you will see where God was actually trying to give um, Moses some certain supernatural ability for him to convince the children of Israel about his message. Praise the Lord. But backing up to this point, because I was talking about the forming of a man and I was talking about the preparedness, how God prepares a man. So coming back to this place, we see that Moses was geared up with zeal to actually deliver the children of Israel out of bondage because his mother or his, his mother has actually taught him that God has actually spoke great things concerning your destiny to us. And look at the bondage and the suffering that we are in. Praise the Lord. But at a particular time, Moses came across a particular man, a particular Egyptian. They were actually fighting with an Israelite. And Moses killed that Egyptian. Moses now came across another person, another two Hebrew, Hebrew that were fighting each other. And Moses knew the one that was wrong. But Moses did not apply the justice of God. He killed the Egyptian because the Egyptian was wrong, smiting his brother. When he got to that place, when he saw the one that was wrong, for him to do the justice of God, he would have killed that one too. He would have killed that one too. But his action, but since he could not kill that one, I'm not saying that his action of not killing the one is wrong. But what I'm trying to say is that he didn't have the right to take life when he can't give life. Moses didn't have the right to take life when he didn't give life. Why am I saying this? This is the error that we fall into when God has not formed us. This is the error that we go into when God has not formed us. Now, the offshoot of the Israelite fighting the Egyptian, or the offshoot of the Israelite between the Israelite and the Egyptian, one of the things that I can see from there, they say both of them were fighting. But probably the Egyptian was wrong. But you know that in our current situation, in our current stance as Christians, they're not allowed to fight. In fact, if me now, as I'm a believer, if I see that situation, 
I will only tell myself that, oh, wait, if we are fighting the Egyptian, number one, you're not allowed to fight. God should fight your battle. The reason why the Hebrew was fighting the Egyptian is because they were fighting in that tent. That fight only reflected what was going on in their tent. They fought each other. Praise the Lord. So they fought each other, and it's reflected. Amos just saw just one aspect and not jumping to conclusion. Like for instance in Nigeria, we just see something going on. We say, oh no, they are, they are corrupt. These, these politicians, they are bad, they are going to steal and all that. And meanwhile, in our own coffers, we tell lies to new people of their money. We tell people what God has not said. Why? Because we have the wrong message. And that wrong message is influenced by selfishness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Moses actually wanted to do what he feels God was and God has placed a demand for his life to do, but he didn't have the right knowledge on how to go about it. He didn't have the right knowledge on how to go about it. That is why, even from this story, from this story of the Egyptians and uh, Hebrew and Moses killing and all that, number one, like we all know as Christians, right? but some people think they don't know. Some people don't know. But I think I should say it again. You are not allowed as a Christian to instigate anybody to kill anybody. You are not. You are not. In short, you are not allowed to tell any, any of your congregation that, oh, go carry cutlass. If the Muslim hit you, hit them back, try to kill them. You are not allowed. Why? You don't have the right to take life as a believer. Because you by yourself, you can't give up life. The only person that can actually make a, a, make a judgment between life and death and can make it accurately because he gives life and takes life is God. I will not allow him to make that accurate decision. And that's why if you look at the life of, uh, life of Moses, God had to send him to a place where he had to cool down. You have to cool down. You have to have the message right. You have to have the, 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 the mind of God right concerning anything he wants you to do. And I'm not just saying as preachers, I'm not saying this as, oh, you are just a preacher. No, 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 no. In every space of life, you have to actually have the accurate mind of God concerning any endeavor you are going into. It is very important. It is very important. If not, you will demonstrate a wrong image of God. If not, you will demonstrate a wrong image of God. If somebody had saw how Moses, for instance, God left Moses here and Moses killed the Egyptian, a war would have broken out and the Egyptian would have carried placard and this thing and start fighting. Israelites. But that's not what God wants. Deliverance must be done by God. Except God give you, like for the Old Testament, that's that they went to war. That's that they went to war. And there's a study I want to do. I will do that study by God's grace. I feel in my heart, this is just a, a thought, I just feel in my heart strongly, that each time the Israelites went to war, just because they went to war and they got victory by war, just because they were sin in their camp. I believe so. Each time the camp was purified and truly clean, God came through for them by himself. That's why scripture says that when God was actually speaking to Moses, scripture says that the children of Israel cried to, them, to God. They cried to God. At this point, Moses was trying to actually get the children of Israel out of it. They were still doing their own things. They were still doing their own things. But at this point, they cried to God. And God helped them. And they didn't even have to lift a finger. God came through for them with signs and every other thing. And again, I also want to quickly say, just think to mind, 
A lot of people rush into ministry. Why? Because they say time is passing me by and I need to do certain work for God on time. So they want to quickly rush and have their souls and all that. But no, is that the truth? The Bible says that God sent Moses into the wilderness. Because God said, as Moses ran, and after Moses ran, a lot of things happened in his life and all that and all that, and God actually came through for him. So those period of his life, I believe God was actually building him to understand certain things about his ministry as a person. But do you realize that at the point where Moses got an understanding was at the point where the children of Israel cried to the Lord. You understand? At the point where the children of Israel cried to the Lord was at that the same point that Moses was also interfacing with the Lord. That is to say, that is to say to us that what God wants to do with your life, what God wants to do with your life, if you get the message right, eh, God will send it to the people. That's number one. If you get the message right, God has a people he wants to send it to. And and your energy to deliver those people your energy to deliver those people eh, is not sufficient enough primarily. There is something God is doing underneath it. The Bible says, Paul planted Apollo waters. God did the increase. For your message to be successful, one of the things I can tell you is not only dependent on how fast or how immediate you can go there. It's not. I want to have it at the back of your mind that underneath it, God is actually doing something that you don't even know. You don't even know. So that your message can actually prosper and can be administered appropriately. Now, if Moses had gone with those signs before the general reserve cried out to the Lord, probably he might not have gotten a lot of success. So, bearing the message of God, one of the things I also want us to brace in our heart is that when God gives me a message, God has also gone ahead of me. I should not go ahead of God. People go ahead of God by not getting themselves prepared for them, prepared to embody the message. And that's what we see Moses wanted to do. Moses was not accurately prepared to go on that venture to actually bring out children of Israel from the land of Egypt. He was not accurately prepared. And God saw the heart of the people that they were not accurately, they don't, there was this sin in their camp. Praise the Lord. So God had to actually prepare Moses. But underneath that preparation, God was also trying to actually break the heart of stone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, and also, what, what I also want us to know is that when God gives you a message, eh, He gives you a message, believe me, God is doing a simultaneous, simultaneous work. He's giving you a message and it's also working on the lives of the people you are going to push to. Never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of that. That God has given me a message. And also on the heart of people that he has given me that message to, God is also working on them. So that when my message comes across to them, I know that my Lord has gone ahead of me. Praise the Lord. What I'm saying is because it will give you confidence to stand 
in the day where you're supposed to manifest God to the people. Praise the Lord. So, now, a man that must bear God's message effectively must bear it with holiness. What I mean holiness? I mean you must bear it with holiness. And I'll take a particular scripture. Go to the Bible team. What my scripture will go to the Bible team. Now, the Bible says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added unto you. The Bible says John the Baptist was a man sent from God, and the same bore witness. He bore witness. That is, John the Baptist was sent back from God. And one of the striking things that John the Baptist did was that John the Baptist pointed men to Jesus. Praise the Lord. John the Baptist pointed men to Jesus. And it is that the same Jesus that said that even the least in the kingdom is greater than this John the Baptist. That is to say, a man that is sent from God, God has high hopes for that man in getting his message. That is to say, the workings, the things that we see John the Baptist did, and we say, oh, John the Baptist actually had disciples, and not disciples that John the Baptist had, he lost those disciples to Jesus. That is, he accurately tutored them so much so that when he pointed Jesus to them, they will be able to follow Jesus and leave him. Now, God, Jesus is not even saying that the selflessness that we see in John the Baptist, a believer is supposed to be more selfless than John the Baptist. And what I'm saying is, is because for a believer to be effective in carrying God's message, you must live a holy life. See, it's a must. Otherwise, you can't bear God's message accurately or effectively. You must live a life of holiness. And how do you live a life of holiness? You live a life that is consecrated and separated. Now, what is concentration and what is separation? I will explain it like this. Now, if you have a plate, for instance, you have a plate, you have a plate, for instance, and you, know, you have four plates. You have plate one, plate two, plate three, plate four. I hope you know that once you carry one of those plates and you give that plate over to God, eh? What you used to do with every other plate, you will not do it with that plate. That plate that you have given to God will be used according to the dictates of God. That plate will be used according to the instructions of God. Praise the Lord. That is to say, when a man gives his life to Christ, Jesus becomes Lord over that man, and that man starts seeking the instructions of God. That is what he is. That is, your action is predicated on the fact that Jesus said this. Not, I thought this. Your actions, your reactions, is that Jesus said this. That is why I'm saying, I'm saying this thing categorically, and I'm saying it very point blank and clear. For you to actually carry God's message, bear God's message effectively, you must have a practical Christian life. Why do you need to have a practical Christian life? Because... Like Sister Docker said yesterday, 
We know the end of the message. We know the end of the assignment. We know the Bible says, we know the end of Jesus' life. So for this reason I was come, so that many people will be called to glory. Many people will be saved. That's why Jesus Christ manifested. The reason why you are manifesting, or the reason why you are carrying God's message, is because you will turn the heart of men over to God. And if that is what is in your mind, sir, you can't have a workable Christian life. You can't. You can't. You can't. I'm not saying that for you to bear God's message, you must be 100% perfect. No, no. But me, I'm saying that the Holy Spirit would have taken you to a point where all your life till you die, you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's an onward way. That's an onward way. That's an onward way. Onward way to represent God. You have come to a point where you don't have selfishness stored up in your heart. A lot of times, see, and I said, I said, holiness is the supernatural way God, God, is the supernatural way you can bear God's message. And why are you bearing God's message? You are bearing God's message to turn people to God. That's why you are bearing God's message. That is why you are bearing God's message. You are bearing God's message to actually turn people to God, to actually bear the precept of God upon the earth, so much so that they are becoming laws to men by your life. Praise the Lord. So, I'm trying to say to us that bearing God's message, bearing God's message, you know, I said, bearing God's message can be done holily and supernaturally. But I said, bearing God's message supernaturally is done by holiness. And what is holiness? That you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Now, this is what it means. I said, John the Baptist pointed, pointed his disciples to Jesus and could lose men to Jesus. Why? Because he had discipled them. His life has shown them that there's one thing that is so important than myself. And that thing that is important than myself is Christ Jesus. So his disciples chased after Jesus. And that should be the cross of every, every believer. Now, for God to accurately use your life as his message, or for you to embody the message of Christ so accurately, that God will walk, eh? Sir, you must believe every inch and every dictate of instruction God has given, no matter how irrational it seems in the 21st century. I'll give you an example. Say, oh, we all agree that bearing God's message is that we are able to turn the heart of men to God. We are able to bet God's will upon the face of the earth by our life. Now, I want to tell you something. A lot of times, people feel that the way to the way to turn the heart of people to the Lord first starts by supernatural things. That is, you can do a lot of supernatural things. When I mean supernatural things, let your mind go wild. Let healing the sick, laying, a lot of things. Those, are, those things are very supernatural and they are good. But we'll get to that point. But if our agenda is to turn the heart of men, eh, and God has given us an instruction, like for instance, let me take a basic instruction, like 
when a person slaps you, you turn the right cheek. Yeah? Do you know that that thing, that thing, is capable of turning the heart of many to the Lord? Why? Jesus said it. And for you to bear the message of God, you have to embody that as righteousness for yourself. So that God can, by that message, by that righteousness, by that holy life, that you are actually imbibed by your ideas and your ideologies, you can answer. Let me tell you how I was reading Nikki Cruz. Wrong baby wrong by Nikki Cruz. There's a way David Wilkerson turned the heart of that boy, Nikki Cruz, to the Lord. And if I tell you, it's so dramatic, it's so beautiful that I said, Lord, truly, indeed, 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 to bear your message holy, it's already supernatural. Do you know what this man did? This man went to evangelize. He met the boy at the crusade. He, no, he told all, all his gang to come to a particular crusade ground. And I'm a crusade ground. So, because they are not afraid, they don't like anything that frightens them. So, when you come to them and you tell them that, are you afraid to do so and so thing? They'll say, no, you are not afraid. We are so and so so gang. And you tell them, if you are not afraid, let me see that you are not afraid. Come to so and so and so, please. They want to come because why they want to prove to you that they are not afraid. So the Bible told them that they should come to his crusade ground. They are not afraid. Something like that. So they came to his crusade ground. And for the first time, the Bible was talking, praying for the gang leaders and all that. And some of them, he prayed with them, talked to them, and they gave their life to Christ. They knelt down, they gave life to Christ. So Nicky Cruz was now kind of scared. Because he saw what was happening and the Holy Spirit was doing in that particular place. That this man, and he was one of the toughest in the gang. He went there and the man was, and the university was also talking to him. But because of, the university was getting, was by his word, getting close to him. So he ran, he left the place and walked away. The following morning, there's something that the university did, that was, two things he did that was striking. He went to meet Nicky Cruz in his house. Do you know what the Cruz did to him? The Cruz slapped him and spit on him. Slapped him and spit on him and pushed him away. Why? Because I, the consistency of this guy was behind. What, what, when you come, it tells him that the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you, cares about you, and all that. This guy spit on him and slapped him. The following day, brother came back. Brother came back to that boy. They he spit on him and slapped him. Brother came back, came back to that man. Spoke to him that he now agreed that he will come to one of his crusades again. So he came with all his gang, all his gang, and they came together. Now when they came, you know gang members, you know how they steal, they rob. That's what they do most of the time. They fight and all that. When the Wilkerson wanted to collect offering. Offering for crusade. He told Nikki Cruz and his gang to collect offering for the congregation. And typical of the gang, what they collect offering, is to Jaffa, collect money wrong. But because this man put trust that this soul, God can save this soul, this guy took the money, he's the leader of the gang. He took the money and he was already heading out. But he said, 
this man had trust that me, as spoiled and as evil as I am, I can do the right thing. They have to do the right thing. This guy turned back with the money and went with all the leaders, with all his gang members. Some of them wanted to peel far from the notes, from the orphan notes. Box, it was a boxes, plenty of boxes. He said, if you try it, he brought out the sweet bed, I will stab you. He dropped, he dropped it back. All of them put the money back. He even told them to bring out their money from their pocket and put it in the offering box. The government said, and they all put and Believe me, that day, that boy was saved. Why? Because a man has bear the message of God that when they slap you, turn the left. That is supernatural enough. When you obey the instructions of God, and you imbibe it, it is supernatural enough for you to obey a message that can change a man's life. It doesn't necessarily need to start by miracle. A lot of times, why we choose miracles is because we have our motive. We have our motives. I'm trying to say, why most of the times we chase after, oh, you see a young man, vibrant young man, he will kneel down in the, in the night, pray from 12 to 4 o'clock. What is he praying for? Lord, give me power. What do you want to use that part to do so that I can heal the sick and raise the dead? Well, let me tell you something. Every person that demonstrated the, the power of God, power of God, effectively, demonstrated it from an overflow of a life that they have. Jesus Christ said that. Let me read that scripture. Um, let's read one scripture. Um, let's read Mark chapter 16, verse 12 to 18. Mark chapter 16, from verse 12 to 18. Okay, from verse 12, he said, He that, from verse 12, no, from verse 15 to 18, okay. Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 to 18. He said, And he said to them, Go ye unto the world and preach the gospel. To every creature, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth shall not be shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Now, see, he said, In my name shall they cast. He said, These signs shall follow them. You see. When you have a primary agenda in your heart eh, to turn men to the Lord, any obstacle that obstructs it, the power of God will come either by your life naturally or by supernatural means. Why? Because what is still in your heart is not to accrue crowd to yourself or not to accrue fame to yourself, but to turn the heart of men to God. And if God will need to do a sign a supernatural sign, just like the way you wanted to do for Moses. Yes, said Moses, throw your rod, he becomes serpent, did this, and if God, if you have that agenda in your mind to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, there is no sign God will not do. There is no sign God will not do. But first of all, it's an overflow of a life, and that life is holiness. That life seeks perpetually after righteousness. And why I'm saying that you should seek after righteousness because, see, the Bible says, seek your first beginning of God and his righteousness. Everything will be added unto you. What it means is that when you have given your life to Christ, you belong to a kingdom. 
Like for instance, now in Nigeria, you belong to you belong to a state called Nigeria, and Nigeria has rules and regulation. Those rules and regulation are for us to keep to it so that the country can prosper. You understand? We keep this rules and regulation. Like for instance, recently, recently has a rule that have to have a screenshot and a lot of things. They have a lot of certain rules and regulations. Why they make those rules and regulations is not even primarily. Yes, fine, it benefits you. For instance, like in the kingdom of God, if you don't fornicate, fornicate, you are very truthful, it benefits you. But the sole purpose is for the advancement of the kingdom. That is why you must seek how the instructions of that kingdom. That's why scripture says, seek first the, the, seek first the kingdom. Seek him first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Every other thing will be added unto you. When you seek the kingdom of God, by seeking the righteousness of God, every other thing is both signs will be signs. That, okay, I remember that good thing, that good thing, for instance, for that good thing. The kind of help. Yes, the country helps you. Federal government helps you. When it comes to his business, they try to put key interest. They try to talk to him and all that. Why? Because he's supplying great things to the kingdom. He's supplying greatly to Nigeria. He builds ventures so that people can have jobs. He builds ventures so that we can have naturally made products. So he's building the kingdom. So they give they give him pride, they give him, they give him some, some uh, assistance. Praise the Lord. So also for the kingdom of God. If what is the primary in your heart? is to actually increase the kingdom of God. God will not stand by and want you to do everything by yourself. He will come through at every given point in time when you need him to come through, both by supernatural side, both by your own life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So in several ways, God comes through. Like children of Israel, Moses was about an adventure to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And even before the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And God says, stretch out your rod. And it didn't pass it. That was supernatural. But God, God cannot carry in entity to do that kind of job. He can't. You have to have a practical, working Christian life, which is holy unto the Lord. And the supernatural things follow. What should be primary seated in your heart is not how, a lot of, like I was saying before, a lot of a youth will stay because probably he has lost his deal, preach, and his deal was just doing a lot of signs, supernatural things, and all that. And he thinks that's the way to bear God's message. That's the primary way to get bear God's message. So he stays at night, all through the night, praying from 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. every day, suffering himself. And he, what he's praying for? Lord, give me the grace to do miracle. And what he said, I can give you. But you see, miracle, eh? It has a weight. How can you call it bearing God's message? How can you bear? It has a weight. If it comes upon you and you're not ready, fame can kill you. It can kill you. It can. It can. I heard about a story about a particular man. And see, oh God, oh God. God must say, I don't know how to even preach this thing solidly. God must help us not to have anything, any idol in our hearts. Any idol in our heart that will have put in front of us as one of the ultimate goal of our message. That is stemming from our own personal ambition. Our own personal ambition. 
A lot of times people say, people, a, a person will, day, will be there and pray and pray. He wants God to use him to do supernatural things so that his ministry can strive. Now, his ministry, his own ministry can strive. He wants God to use him to do a lot of supernatural things so much so that other people will say, like his papa, spiritual papa, eloquent papa, spiritual calculator, do this and do that. A lot of gimmicks and all that. And people chase after those things in their heart. Why? Because they want to look, they want to be famous. And these are the things that other preachers that are not born again, other babalaos that are started wearing suits, they will go and do. They will do the same miracle. Like the way you do. See, to be sincere, miracle, miracle, eh? helps to remove the obstruction for a person to receive Jesus. It helps to remove the obstruction for a person to receive Jesus. Or a person has received Jesus, but is still having some certain issues. Miracles and all that helps you to liberate the person. God gives you that strength, gift of healing and all that, to liberate the person for that person to be able to chase after Jesus. But if it is miracle you want to use primarily to change the person's life, ha, just miracle, just miracle. Because what I'm saying is, because the train of Jesus saw more miracle than certain miracles that I've seen today. They saw the red sea parted. They saw rock water gush out of stone, stone. But their heart was still hardened. Their heart was still hardened. It then means that one of the things that we preach to people, or one of the messages that we should bear, is that, Lord, we know you can do miracles, and you are even expectant. People should not be in bondage. When I come at this, I be able to administer healing and all that. But, Lord, I want to make disciples of people. I want to make, let my life make disciples of people. Because if you check very well, Jesus Christ never healed any of his disciples of anything. He never. Never. And Zaphonic said something. He said, Jesus Christ never, never practically taught, taught, taught healing. Say, I want to teach you, like, when he teaches about righteousness, about holiness, and all that, he never taught it. Never, he never did that. He never taught a person how to, he never did it. Why? Sir, if you, if you have a new life. I remember when I was in secondary school. I gave my life to I I was preaching. I used to stay in my front of my class, out of the scene. I would say, I'll be preaching. And then when I'm preaching, I'll start crying. I'll say, the Lord loves you. The Lord wants your soul. Please come to God. Hell is real. I'll be crying. And after I preach, they'll ask, and I say, okay, if you have offering, give your offering. You will not give one naira, no, ten naira, five naira. And that I'll not take it to the church and drop an offering basket. As my evangelism and all that. One day I went on, on, on evangelism in our streets. And I went to that evangelism. After I finished evangelism, I came back and I heard that my mother did not feel fine. Okay? You not feel fine. I didn't even pray for him, pray for her directly. I went to my room. I said, Lord, this cannot happen. I prayed, I prayed, and I slept off. By the time I woke up in the evening, I saw her doing all the things she did not do. She was fine. She was healed. She was told. 
What I'm trying to say is that healing and all those other things, they are offshoots of a life that actually seeks to prosper the kingdom of God. It will come. See, it will come. It will, you enter into a place and probably a person has been, a person that, and you know one thing, light and darkness can draw together. Light and darkness. Bible says the Lord separated the light from the darkness. That is, light and darkness can be in a place. That is, a person can have a mind that wants to serve God, but because of one addiction, one addiction is just making him, he's not able, he's not able, but he doesn't like it. The Revenge says something. A particular man came to the Revenge and said to the Revenge that, Sir, I have lost my mind. Yeah? I have lost my mind. I don't want to lose track of what I was saying before. What I said before. Okay, like my heart. Okay. Now, he said, I have lost my heart. And the Revenge said, Okay, I have lost my heart. Your heart. He said, Yes. He said, But I love, I love it. Do you think God can save me from this? The Revenge said, No, God cannot save me from this. Why? Because you must hate it. God will save you from your enemies. God will save you from what you love. And I say, wow. So when a brother loves the Lord, but he has an addiction, God can bring you to a meeting and you come. Because that brother wants to serve the Lord. And something is of talking. God will use it as an instrument to cast that demon out. That's the supernatural thing. Why? Because you want to advance the kingdom of God. And like I said, every phase of our life, we must seek first the kingdom of God. That is, it's not only about taking to ministry. There's what is called seeking first the kingdom of God as a mother. Seeking the kingdom of God as a mother, first the kingdom of God as a mother, and as a mother, is to train up a child in the way he should go. So that when he's home, he won't depart from it. It's not the way a child finds food or where a child wake up. No. It's to first. I'm teaching this child the way of the Lord. That is seeking first the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Even also as a businessman, you are establishing the truth of God in your business. You are doing a lot of things to, like see, there's certain iconic things that people have done. Like a reform. He did some iconic things concerning business. And everywhere in the world, most of the time, if you want to prosper in business, you must do that. And that thing, Demonstrate the righteousness of God. I can tell you the truth. Guarantee. Guarantee. It was first propelled by Henry Ford. See, we can build, we can do righteous, we can even our business. We can establish the truth of God in our business, in truthfulness and righteousness. So much so, even when an unbeliever comes, that unbeliever might not actually give his life to Christ. But, sir, you have wet the door. The door is out. You are put to one stone. It's going to open small small. Why? Because your life demonstrates righteousness personally and you're also operating righteous truth in your business. So the reason why God will supernaturally make your business prosper is because you are seeking to establish the precepts and the principles of the kingdom of God so that men can see it. If that man gives his life to Christ, one of the things that you feel about one to is your business principle. Praise the Lord. So, bearing the message of God effectively is two. Number one, seek the kingdom of God. And see, that, that kingdom of God has what we call his righteousness. And his righteousness is his instructions. 
seek for the advancement of the kingdom. That's how you can bear the message of God effectively. That's how you can bear the message of God effectively. Because you have constantly seeked the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the goal, the goal of a man that is sent of sent from God is to bear the message of God. And by bearing the message of God, what is primary in his heart is that he wants to advance the kingdom of God. He wants to advance the instructions of God. He wants to advance the principles and the precepts of God upon the face of the earth. Now, in all aspects of his life, in all aspects of his life, in terms of marital, in terms of his marriage, in terms of the way he treats his job, in terms of the way he, he preaches to people. And also, why I also said that, why I said that we need to do this in all aspects of our life. Number one, the fact that, the fact that you don't have a teaching or preaching ministry does not mean that the life that you live does not have, does not carry the capacity enough eh, to, number one, set righteous example, number two, preach the gospel. You might not be preaching accurately. You might not be preaching, you might not have a preaching ministry. Hmm? But let me tell you something. I'll give you two things. You might not have an active preaching ministry, but the way you follow after God and his righteousness, the way you follow, you do righteously and you live your life holy. You give us enough, enough scenarios, enough, enough scenarios, you give us enough instances for us, even as preachers, to stand and say, look at what somebody did by the demonstration of God's spirit. Like I always say, some of the instructions or some of the things that Jesus Christ said, Jesus Christ said, one of the things that Jesus Christ said was actually piercing the heart because it was accurately true and it happened in life. And somebody's life demonstrated it. So it's right, Jesus Christ set an example between Lazarus and the rich man. Why Jesus Christ could actually have that kind of narrative is because a man lived in life and lived holy. Some of the narrative that I will, I will need, I will need to talk to, to talk to young ministers, and it will be so backed up by the Spirit of God is because, sir, you expressed it in your life. Some of the things, some of the scenarios or the instances, I will need to talk to my children. I will use to talk to my children. Even as I scripture, I will use that example to buttress my point. It will be very effective because a life demonstrated it. That's why you have what we call the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is the life of Jesus demonstrated and, and, and lived upon the face of the earth. And we carry that message. I'm not telling it to everybody. And it's affecting them. Why? Because that thing truly, really happened and it was demonstrated by a person's life. So your life can demonstrate the truth of God. And we can use it to buttress our point in scripture. So also, your life is also effective in advancing the kingdom. Number two. Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man. You see, eh? when the rich man died, and Lazarus too died, Lazarus was in the bosom of the Lord. See, eh? deeper, when I leave that story, deeper than the frustration that you see in hell, one of the things that will plague your life is that you will see into the future, eh? and you will see how your life 
in your life, if you live your maybe the rich man's life that was lived in sin, you will see how your life eh, forms the premise and the basis for other people to do evil. That is what I'm lamented. That Lord, please, can you send somebody? Because I've left sufficient, sufficient evils, sufficient premises for somebody to continue living. So he was pinned. Oh, our life. Oh God, we must live sufficient. See, when, when I, if anybody can carry your biography or autograph, anyone and read, they will not miss God. So this man was worried, was worried, was worried. Say, Lord, I beg, don't send somebody. Because as I'm here now, I'm seeing the truth. I see, I see where they will end. And that truth that I see is that my life, as I live it on the earth, as a king, I've laid down strategies, strategy for a person not to see God. And that thing is more painful when you see your generation. You see, you see a generation acting, they are doing things, and you know where they will end up. They will come and end up with you here. We must, David said, a, a day in your presence is like is better than a thousand, thousand years outside. And scripture says, a day in God's eyes. A day is in God's eyes. Is a thousand years. We are going to pray and say, Lord, help us to remain. Help us to remain. That not all the spam of our life, all the days of our life remain in your kingdom. So much so, so much so, Lord, so much so that we will be molded, we will be formed in holiness and in righteousness. We will have a practical Christian life. So much so that we will bear your message. I will bear that message accurately and preach the gospel. Our life, Lord, consciously or unconsciously, Lord, because we are holy and we observe your precepts, we observe your principles, we observe your command, your instructions, Lord, our life will preach your word. Our, our life will turn the heart of men over to you. Our, men, our life will make an ignorant man knowledgeable about the things of the Lord. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us to bear your message accurately in holiness. So that we can actually, even when, we are, when our life is winding up, we can see the blocks, the blocks, the stages of righteousness. Our lives are, and the tracks of righteousness, our lives are left on earth for our generation to walk by. Our life will be like billboard, pointing to the direction of Jesus. Our life will be a signpost. And when people actually read that signpost, it, 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 it points to no other place, no other place than Jesus. It points to the kingdom. It points to the truth of God's word. It points to the instructions of God. It is pointed to no other place, to no other place, to no other place, to no other place. Lord, first, first of all, we use our life to demonstrate your kingdom. Our life will be pointers, pointers, pointers. The Lord will point to you, even in our death. Lord, our life will be pointing to you. Lord, help us.
Help us, Jesus. Let us pray. 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 Let us p